LA is vast, vibrant, simultaneously stunning, as well as challenging and confusing. At Together LA, this city is our passion. We know that loving LA well starts with listening, pounding the pavement in search of the individuals invested in the flourishing of Los Angeles. These are the inspiring stories and real life interviews with the men and women who work to bring the gospel to LA in their unique ways. Thanks for joining us as we bring you closer to the heart of LA, one story, one voice, one neighborhood at a time. We are Tommy and Jojo, and this is the Together LA Listening Tour. Hi, everyone. Hey, we are here with Eden Chen. Eden is the co-founder of Pragma Platform, Fisherman Labs, and board member of Together LA. And I am sitting here with Brandon Petrie, who is the president and chairman of the board of Together LA. Welcome, everyone. Thanks, Tommy, for having yeah. us. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for having me. Hey, Eden, let me just ask you. I mean, every, we cannot stop without thinking about this whole situation right now with COVID-19. Even for you is... I mean, how are you adapting personally as well as even in terms of your companies and everything like that? How are things going in the midst of all this? Yeah, so I guess there's a, a bunch of different ways to tackle that. I think there's the uh, the personal um, side of things, which um, I think Tommy is – oh, do you hear me? Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, as you, as you know, live in a more low-income neighborhood where um, – there's sort of a disproportionate effect upon people in this neighborhood. Um, and so I think with our church and um, just as neighbors trying to think through ways that we can um, uh, uh, help. And, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, we've been blessed with, uh, we have a couple units in our back. Um, we have an extra room here that I just moved into, but we had people staying um, uh, from our church that, that got dislocated or, um, in this room for um, the last few weeks, and we just found them housing somewhere else. Um, so um, that was just an amazing, um, really great experience, um, bringing someone in that was new to the church um, that got dislocated and um, really experienced Jesus for the first time. Um, and uh, she, we just got a text from her um, you know, uh, a few days ago, uh, right after Easter saying that, you know, Easter was always like bunny rabbits and, and, and eggs for me, but um, really blown away in terms of what, what Jesus has done for me and thinking through that for the first time. So um, really cool to just be able to see, not just us, we were at one of many um, households within our church that um, helped them transition into their own place. Um, and, uh, and, and just really, yeah, thinking through, uh, you know, how much people are affected in this neighborhood. Um, and then secondly, with the different businesses, um, you know, so each business is a little different. And so in a different life stage and different business. And so each business has been affected a little differently. Um, Fisherman Labs uh, is uh, primarily does digital service work um, for brands. Um, obviously, uh, you know, um, a lot of brands are not doing marketing campaigns anymore. And so, you know, we had a lot of projects canceled and, and, and whatnot. Um, in seven years, we haven't laid anyone off and um, still have continued not laying anyone off. Um, we uh, had Q1 bonuses at the end of March that were, were healthy and we decided to give people bonuses um, versus um, trying to sort of bunker up. Um, 
And uh, the thinking there was, uh, I mean, partly there's economic opportunities right now because things have fallen. And so we wanted our uh, employees to be able to benefit and to be um, able to be aggressive in those, um, those op with those opportunities. And also um, lots of um, employees also are facing, you know, childcare needs and different things like that. So we just felt like it was important to give those bonuses out. They had earned it for Q, we had a strong Q1 um, and the employees had earned it. And, um, you know, we could have, you know, held that back and just saw what was going to happen. But, you know, we were like, hey, there's great opportunities. Uh, this is the time they need the money and they've earned those bonuses for Q1. So, um, you know, we really haven't been affected that much given that a lot of physical events have moved more towards digital anyways. Um, and so there are actually new business opportunities that we had there. Um, but again, there, there were definitely things that were affected as well. So we're trying to be conscious of costs and whatnot, but still in, in a pretty decent place there. Um, with Pragma, um, we just raised uh, funding at the end of January. Um, and that was pretty much the best possible time we could have raised um, on no real wisdom or insight on my end, just it just really lucky timing. Um, and, um, and so uh, Pragma is in a stage, uh, a product development stage, um, which entails hiring and building. Um, and so we're really actually in a great place um, for this kind of an environment because um, we can be pretty aggressive with hiring and, and building out. We're not in a place where we're selling yet and doing the things that would be affected by um, a business slowdown. And we're also in the video game business, which has also been like one of the most healthy businesses in, um, amidst this whole thing. So even if we were in the selling phase, we probably would uh, have not been affected as much also. So um, yeah, those just quick overview on the few things. Yeah. yeah, I know Brandon's gonna ask you a quick question, but yeah. for Brandon's sake and for others' sake, what does Pragma Platform do? I know you and I have chatted about that. Yeah, so if you're familiar with like WordPress or Shopify or um, some of these backbone solutions for um, for for e-commerce sites or for websites. Um, uh, gaming is uh, is is one of the most difficult things to to build. Um, if you want wanted to build a game from scratch, it would take you anywhere from five to ten years. Um, you know, especially if it's it, it, a lot of people just fail because they can't ever get going. Um, and you know, a big reason for that is if you think about a gaming company, what you're really doing is creating sort of like an entertainment property, which is almost like a movie. Um, uh, so there's a lot of content that's associated with making a game. And then you're also building a whole platform. If it's a multiplayer online game, you're building a whole platform that's akin to sort of like a Facebook. So it's it's hard enough to build Facebook and it's hard enough to build an entertainment property, but with the game, you have to do both. Um, so that's typically why venture uh, money has not gone to gaming, despite it being uh, one of the lar the largest entertainment sector. It's larger than music and movies combined and, and a lot more than that. And it's growing faster than both too as well. Um, but the venture community has generally not put money into games because it just takes so much money and, and time to, to launch one of these things. Um, so what we're doing is to say, we are technologists and we can build a lot of the platform side of things so that you can, as a, as a game studio or a game developer, you can focus on the actual design of the game and not on all the platform services that support that game. Like, you know, how to make friends lists, how to, how to make lobbies, um, how to, how to generate accounts that integrate with all sorts of different, uh, like with PlayStation, Xbox, computer, et cetera. So essentially like an out of the box solution that helps you launch a multiplayer online game. Got it. Mm -hmm. Got it, Brandon. 
Eden, I, I appreciate that. And I, I want to I take two parts to uh, two different questions, actually, with you. Um, but I'm going to stick with the first one and the two parts to this first question. It has to do with the church in your neighborhood. Um, and then I want to come back to the businesses because I think there's actually something that we can weave in together and learn um, from you as you as you walk this road since really January with both businesses. So the first part of the question uh, for the first question on the church is um, a simple one. What neighborhood are you in in L.A. and why is it um, why is it uh, what's happening in that neighborhood now? Yeah, so um, we're in a neighborhood called Crenshaw. We actually are um, uh, probably two blocks away from where Nipsey Hussle was uh, was was killed, and um, also where his clothing store is. So um, the day that he was um, shot and killed, we we saw um, five helicopters right above our house. Um, and so we knew there was something going on because usually you might see one one helicopter, maybe two helicopters, right. but you hardly ever see five. <laughs> you know, so um, that uh, you know our whole street was uh, was uh, all the parking was taken for weeks after um, he was shot. And so that's how close we are because um, people were, were they were parking here and walking over there for the memorial. Um, so it's a rich rich neighborhood, lots and lots of history, um, and uh, it's one of the last. Um, majority African-American neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Um, mm -hmm. So if you look at Compton or Watts, they're they're all majority Hispanic now, um, mm -hmm. as opposed to Crenshaw, and you have you know, a, a few others, but there's really not a lot of them left. Um, there, you know, there was a huge sort of, um, uh, sort of exodus um, out of out of the city uh, with the African-American population. So um, yeah, we've been here for, um, since 2014, so it's been almost six years. Um, and uh, what was the other part of your question? I hadn't asked it yet. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, in the midst of uh, being in Crenshaw and where you are, and I, I, I appreciate the the background to it because a lot of people don't understand the way that neighborhoods work in LA. Um, but you started a nonprofit in that community. So, tell me, how sure. has your church and the churches around and the nonprofits around? Uh, come alongside the people in the community, especially in this season that we're facing right now to serve one another. You mentioned earlier about offering homes for folks. What's that look like? What what have you guys been doing? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think this is a very unique, um, you know, uh, sort of recession or economic um, uh, kind of season because typically as the church, you know, we can just go out and serve people. Um, and uh, in this case, there are real, um, you know, public health reasons for us not just going out and being um, foolish about the way that we go and try to serve people. Um, so, uh, you know, I think a lot of Christians talk about sort of like bubonic plague and, you know, how Christians were out there and they were, they were the last people to leave the city. Uh, and in this case, like, you know, you actually don't, you actually could be harming people by, uh, by, by being out <laughs> and trying to help people. Yeah. Uh, so, um, this is a unique, uh, unique one. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the nonprofit I started was, uh, um, basically gets uh, high school uh, graduates into uh, in this neighborhood into uh, a 12-week uh, marketing program. Um, and we isolated marketing because 
I would spend a lot of time with kids in this neighborhood and I would, you know, see very clearly that they were really gifted and they had a great cultural understanding of, of music, sports, culture, um, lots of these things. But all the programs that came to inner city were focused on maybe technology or coding, things that they didn't necessarily have great backgrounds for. Um, whereas for marketing, um, you, know, you know, marketing is really just understanding culture. It's, it's, it's um, being funny. It's being able to take those things and apply them to brands. Um, and, and so our view was that we could uh, just provide them the tools and the connection that they need to take their already existing talents and existing um, exposure of culture and um, and then get them into paid internships. Um, and so with, through relationships with brands and whatnot. So, you know, that, that, that thing has been affected a lot because, um, you know, we were meeting it at, so Nipsey Hussle has a, uh, he had a co-working space here. We were meeting there for classes uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, and obviously we can't do that anymore because of, uh, you know, COVID-19. So um, we, like yesterday I, I did a, uh, I, did a guest lecture um, and we did it over Zoom. Um, mm-hmm. And I was I was honestly just blown away that high school students were on Zoom, you know, participating in the class at, you know, 6.30, 7.30 at night. Uh, it's pretty inspiring to see, um, you know, how hungry these kids are. So, um, yeah, so that's, uh, that. so it, that's definitely been affected uh, by COVID-19. And, um, you know, we're doing other things like our church, for example, we have a, um, sort of like a food um, and supplies drive that we're partnering with the YMCA Crenshaw for. And we have people at our church that are serving um, at that sort of uh, clothing, um, food, uh, mask giveaway. Um, and and so we're trying to do things like that. But, it, you know, a lot of it has been just making sure that we're taking, taking care of people within our church. Um, it's been, I'd say it's probably been more on the frustrating side for sort of like ministry, because again, you have those public health issues um, where, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people in our church that would want to be out there and just serving and they just can't um, because of the public health issues. So um, a lot of it has been making sure that people are plugged in the community, probably like a lot of other churches as well, uh, making sure if there are housing needs or financial needs that, you know, we, we took um, a, a big portion of the ties of the church and started a fund to um, provide uh, assistance to anyone that might've lost their job and um, made that available to anyone in our congregation. So a lot of it has been that kind of thing. We have um, someone at our church that's on probation um, and doesn't have internet. So we had to figure out uh, ways to get him involved in community, even though he can't hop on Zoom. so uh you know we had to get him a mask he couldn't go he couldn't walk into the grocery store recently because he didn't have a mask so he could get food so you know things like that um yeah, where, yeah. Uh, people don't necessarily have the resources to get masks or uh, and then they can't get food because they don't have masks and um so you're you're thinking about those kinds of things in terms of helping the the existing congregation but you know honestly it's been it's been harder in terms of like really trying to think through what what out, outward ministry looks like in the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Eden, I was just telling Brandon right before we were all talking five and a half years ago, you and I met when you were working <laughs> at reality LA between your time in private equity. And before you started fisherman labs. And at that time you were living in a different neighborhood. What mm-hmm. made you and your wife, Caroline li- leave your neighborhood, move to Crenshaw. And as Asian Americans, did it take a while for you to be accepted by the people in your neighborhood? 
Um, so, uh, so couple, I guess a couple questions there. Um, yeah, so we were living in, uh, we, we just kind of progressively moved south while we were, um, in LA. We, uh, you know, I, when I first moved to LA, I, I was in Westwood and then I moved, uh, when we got married, we moved to Culver city and then, um, you know, back, which I guess like eight years ago when we moved to Culver city, we were like Culver city's edgy. And, um, you know, now it's like, um, you know, million dollar homes and whatnot. <laughs> so it's how fast the, fast the city has changed. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so I think there were a lot of different reasons. I think we both, both Carol and I grew up doing um, inner city ministry and um, we had felt that there was a sort of biblical um, uh, sort of call towards exposure to those that were dealing with injustices and suffering. Um, and um, there's sort of this notion in scripture that you're blessed actually when you're um, surrounded by suffering and surrounded by injustice and you're amidst that uh, because Jesus is with those um, people. Um, and if you wanna be with Jesus, then you should also be around those people too as well. Um, and uh, so um, that, uh, and, and I think also both of us, um, so I, Carolyn speaks a little bit of Spanish, but I didn't speak, uh, I don't speak Spanish myself. And both of us had an affinity for the African-American community uh, outside of just the fact that they have faced an outsized amount of injustice in this country. Um, we also just love the culture too as well. Um, and then finally, I'd say like also having been in um, lower income communities that, um, uh, in in Los Angeles, for example, and, and other cities too, as well. There's there's generally more of a a feel of neighborhood, generally speaking, um, at least in the city. I'd say like maybe you have that in like Pasadena or some of the more um, outskirt neighborhoods. But um, you know, in the city, if you're in like Santa Monica, for example, typically typically people are moving in and out, and you don't really get to know your neighbor. Whereas uh, in South LA, it's it's in the middle of the city, and yet you know most of the people that are in this neighborhood have been here for two, three generations and they all know each other. And so there's just that, there's that sense of community and neighbor um, that maybe doesn't exist outside of, uh, or inside of uh, the city. Um, and in terms of like how long it took us to get um, sort of integrated or accepted and whatnot, um, I'd say it's case by case. I think like there, there are people that um, accepted us from day one and um, you know, we, and I, I, I would say that we experienced neighbor, like real true neighbor, um, more so than we had in, had in any other neighborhood in general. Um, so, um, you know, I, I'm like, anytime my car is parked on street cleaning side, I have neighbors knocking on my door telling me to move the car on the other side, which that would never happen if you were um, in mo most other neighborhoods. I, um, and they, they, you know, they knock on our door at 6.30 a.m. and just say, hey, you gotta move your car. Um, so there's that kind of camaraderie and, um, uh, and even with, uh, you know, there, there was one time my roof, uh, part of my roof was coming up and someone got a ladder and went on my roof to try to repair it. No, it didn't even help me. Um, so it's that kind of thing where people are very communal. Um, and so that's generally been the case. Um, we did, well, I feel like there's always, uh, anytime you're other in some ways, whether that be in business or in, um, you know, a community, you, you feel that, uh, that otherness. Um, and I think that's, that can be healthy, um, because that's what a lot of people feel. <laughs> um, and so, uh, we definitely had that 
feeling as well sometimes of like um you know what are you guys doing here or you know we we sometimes get uh you know people bike down and i i get some racist remark honestly of uh someone you know just kind of saying ching chong ching or whatever that be biking by and so you you'd get some of that too as well um but that that'd say is is was by far the exception and not the rule the rule was generally that people were very welcoming and um very hospitable to us. Eden, I appreciate that. And I told you I had a second part of a question for your businesses, but I think we may have to come back and have a second interview and just focus on that because uh, there, there's so much there. But if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a, a little more personal question, because when you were talking about the neighborhood and the community that you felt connected to almost immediately, um, and even through some of the struggles, it reminded me that you have a, a fairly deep connection uh, and sensitive connection um, that the community plays a role in to a certain extent, especially in a season like this with your daughter. Yep. And if you wouldn't mind uh, sharing with us, how is she doing? How are you guys coping through the season? And, um, and what do you think are the implications uh, with the gospel in terms of, of your interaction with her and the community? Yeah. Um, you know, and Carolyn and I always thought that we we wouldn't move. We, we always wanted to move into a neighborhood like the one that we're in, but we thought we wouldn't do it until we had kids, um, because I do think kids open up the door um, in a lot of ways in terms of uh, engagement with others, because um, you kind of nobody really like hates on kids, <laughs> and you you can have your kids play with other kids, and there there's that excuse to sort of build those relationships. Um, so uh, I think. Um, you know, uh, so some of you guys know, she, you know, my, uh, Talitha was born sort of with, uh, well, in the beginning we had no idea what it was. We just knew that she had issues. Um, she was born with something called a cloacal anomaly, um, which is essentially when you're, um, uh, basically you can't, you, uh, you're not born with a anal opening. You're not born with, um, normal, uh, functioning parts that help you use the bathroom. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, for us, our expectations were super low because uh, our first doctor's meeting, our first kind of high def ultrasound, our doctors told us like, this baby is not viable and she, um, you guys should terminate the baby. Um, or they didn't say it that way, but they essentially alluded to it. If we were you in this situation, we would look into termination options. Um, and, uh, you know, for us, uh, she and in almost every way is very normal and developing very quickly. And she's doing really, really well. Um, you know, just started walking and, um, you know, just ver extremely verbal and, um, uh, and, and, and yeah, she's just, she's doing great. Um, and, and we've gotten so used to it and she's used to been used to it from birth in terms of just how she uses the bathroom that we don't even really think about it anymore. So in a lot of ways, I'd say like we, um, we rejoice that, that God, allowed us to face a difficult circumstance because both Carolyn and I have not been through a lot of difficult things in our lives. Um, and there's a sort of unintentional superficiality that comes with that when you don't go through anything difficult. Um, and, and so I think the Lord used it a lot. And, um, and at the same time, we sort of get the best of both worlds where we, we, we were able to suffer and, 
and really get comforted from the Lord. But at the same time, we have a daughter that actually doesn't have that many long-term uh, issues. So I, I feel very blessed that the Lord was merciful enough to, um, you know, uh, have her have a you know pretty decent outcome, and at the same time, um, allowed us to um, really rely on the Lord. Um, so um, yeah, she's she's doing really really well. Um, we um, had another. Uh, and so Carolyn, my wife's pregnant again. Um, Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, we um, had another scare uh, recently um, where she had some bleeding. We had to go to the emergency room and, um, you know, we were like, I mean, both of us literally were thinking, oh, here, here we go again. And, um, and, and, the, and the, now that we've found out since that the baby's doing fine, but um, uh, we, we, uh, we had both of us didn't have the faith to say that that God was going to uh, save the baby. Um, and um, that's just kind of our natural reaction. You know, God can't save the baby, but um, he doesn't do that normally. And so I'm not going to even really set my expectations high because. Um, and so I think that's just uh, the ways that God just reminds us that, that he's, he's a good loving God. And, um, and we, and, and things don't always, it doesn't mean things always turn out the right um, way or anything like that, but, um, but he's a good God and, um, uh, he, he's always working for our good. So, um, yeah, anyways, those, those oh, I don't know, sure that answers your question. Yeah. But. yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Appreciate it. Eden, thank you very much. I mean, in some sense, this is actually a good brand. I actually, I'm going to have you wrap up is a good illustration of, us together LA talking with ministry leaders, marketplace leaders like Eden Chen. I mean, Brandon, you're the president and chairman. Can you talk a little bit about the vision of Together LA and how people like Eden fits in the bigger overall picture of what that vision looks like? Yeah, well, Together LA is a movement of churches, organizations, and ministries that seeks to ask and answer the question, how are we going to love our city? And I think in a time like this, that's all the more pertinent. Uh, with board members and folks who connect to us like Eden, we're able to touch in five different areas of ministries throughout the city. Uh, you can find that on our website. We, we have the local church. Um, Eden spoke a lot about that today. We have an area of faith and work and his businesses interact with that. We have the area of justice and mercy. You could hear him talking about that today with regards to the church that he's part of, the nonprofit that he's working with, and even the ministry, the uh, businesses that he has interact in justice and mercy as well. We also uh, want to say that in order to build a gospel eco in the system in the city, we not only need those three areas, but we need two more. Mm -hmm. One is the academy, training folks to think theologically. And the other is actually generations where we specifically uh, gather folks who are in certain age demographics. So you have ministries like Young Life or Campus Crusade, things of that nature that, that really target folks. And I would ask Eden actually to close this today um, as I ask you the last question. How can Together LA, uh, an organization that, a movement really, that seeks to connect ministries, organizations, and churches together, how can we best serve you and where do you think the needs are um, in the city in the coming weeks and months? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, LA is a super unique city in the sense that it's just a bunch of neighborhoods and, um, you know, has always kind of struggled with um, coming up with a sort of shared um, vision for 
um, how we can serve the city. And I think, you know, something I was thinking about with uh, COVID-19 and all that is that, um, you know, it's just such a great opportunity for ministry at the end of the day. Um, you know, people are lonely and um, desiring community. Um, this kind of thing shows us the limits of, of man and um, the limits of technology, the limits of science, um, the limits of human ingenuity. A lot of the idols and things that people place their hope in, um, this breaks all that down. Um, and um, at the same time, um, it's because there's in a city like this, there's not a unifying voice. Um, it becomes very difficult for Christians to really take advantage of the times. Um, and um, so I think it's necessary for us to come up with a strategy at the end of the day, just like you would in business to reach people. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that's why, you know, organizations like Together LA are helpful when they rally churches together and help them think through what is the bigger strategy? How do we reach people? Uh, how do we serve our city? Um, and uh, it's not sort of uh, disparate, um, you know, uh, churches trying to do different things and, and, and everyone's sort of struggling. Um, so I think there's that. And I think like, you know, a lot of things that you mentioned, I think like um, business as a whole, in business as a whole, I think, um, I think I have been generally frustrated with the lack of mentorship when it comes to um, older Christians in business, um, not raising up uh, younger Christians um, when it comes to those that are in business. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I think something needs to facilitate that um, in, in a better way. I don't know what the reason is or, or why that's been lacking, um, but I feel like there's definitely this, this big disconnect, whereas, you know, our parents, my parents' generation, I feel like there were actually like a lot of strong Christian business leaders. Um, but uh, when it comes to my generation, I don't feel like we've really made that connection. So I think when it comes to generation, um, the last point that you mentioned, I definitely feel like there's um, there are a lot of ways that Together LA can be a connection point between, um, you know, those things. Got it, got it, got it. Well, thank you, Brandon, Eden. Thank you for more information Go to togetherla.net. That's togetherla.net. Brandon Eden, we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Together LA Listening Tour. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Together LA channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with Together LA on Instagram, Facebook, and our website at www.togetherla.net. See you next time.